pandemic, which lasted from 1918 to 1919, ushered in the decade remembered as one of the most progressive and creative of the 20th century. What's in store for us in 2020 in this post-COVID-19 era? Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast that we're calling Overcoming the Undergoing. This is B.B. Peters, here with Dr. Andrea Gould-Marks and Wendy Knox, the author of From Muck to Magic. Welcome, Wendy. We're delighted to have you back. Oh, thank you. It's such a joy. I feel like I'm coming home to old friends. Oh, thank you. So, Dr. Andrea, can you take a moment and explain how the title, Overcoming the Undergoing, came about and how it masterfully fits today as we begin to emerge from sheltering in place and the wrath of COVID-19. Well, some of how it came about has to do with our relationship, <laughs> where we share ongoing observations with each other. And we also, you know, label it and we say, you know, this would be interesting to explore because we're both sort of explorer types. And we were, you in particular, were fascinated with people who had, you know, become weightlifters at 70 and other people who had overcome so many odds. And so I was, you know, I'll go along with that, right? That's certainly a fascinating topic. But I also felt that there was the other process, which is the undergoing, which is the moment to moment experience of doing life on a big level it could be called the journey but on a moment-to-moment -moment level it's each of us living life in our head and matching what's on the outside so if I was a weightlifter and there was and I was in the gym and somebody said well maybe you want to develop that because your muscles are beautiful now it's in my attention I never thought of that before and so my undergoing becomes my narrative, my language, as I live my lived experience each day. And if it becomes an overcoming, all the better. And hence, overcoming the undergoing. Well, let me take us back for just a moment to the uh, comment about the roaring 20s, right? The 1920s. The 1920s in the US were called roaring because of the exuberant, free-willing, popular culture of the decade. The roaring 20s was a time when many people defied prohibition, indulged in new styles of dancing and dressing, and rejected many traditional moral standards. So I'm wondering what is going to happen in our 20s, in our 2020s, right? But first, let's just talk a little bit about our own personal place, our own personal places. Um, how are you, Dr. Andrea and Wendy doing? What have you experienced 
during these past few months of sheltering in place and what kept you both going? Well, what's interesting for me was I went through a lot of trauma before this happened. My husband had a very serious diagnosis, which ended up being kind of a misdiagnosis, but it was really scary. And my son was going through a, a very dark period. So the two people I loved the most were going through really challenging times and it shook my soul. So to be honest, I feel like I went through so much about life being out of control and needing to go inward to find my inner resources that by the time this pandemic came, it wasn't as terrifying to me as it might have been. So I have found it a time of uh, really connecting with soul work, inner guidance, nature, and I don't know, I'm hoping this time is the soaring 20s more than the roaring 20s. And soaring 20s, maybe call that, maybe we use that term from now on. Absolutely, well, because we'll, we'll recognize you when we use it. We'll say, yes. Wendy. Well, you know, that came to me, actually. I sent out a piece of art in the new year, one of my dragonfly paintings, with that message, welcome to the soaring 20s, because the dragonfly spends most of its life crawling in the muck at the bottom of the pond, and while it's down there, it grows its magical wings. And I believe that's what we are doing now yes. as individuals and as a culture and as a world. So if we can hold on to that paradigm that this is getting us prepared to soar. And I'd like to say about that paradigm, because I would even go so far as to call it a mindset. It's very fortunate to have that mindset. And we want to recognize, obviously, not everybody has that mindset. Some people just see that there's an obstacle in their way and the range of emotions from that. Some people are helpless. Some people are like, I'm not letting this thing get in my way and everything in between. And that's, I guess, what Bibi and I were speaking about earlier, which is the undergoing the mind frame, the frame of mind that we hold. So we have Wendy Knox here with the dragonfly frame of mind, as opposed to the New York frame of mind, <laughs> right? Or, or any other, you know, where we crawl inside this mindset and then we react from there. And so at some point, I want to talk a little bit more about what productive mindsets are and yeah. what mindsets, if we adopt them, can not only hurt us, but hurt the people around us. I think that's a great idea. And we'll definitely get back to that point. But uh, Andrea, how did you, what did you, what did you rest in? What did you allow your mind to rest on or in during the past what, two or three months. How have you been coping? Yeah, I feel I'm, I'm among fortunate in terms of having a stable container in which to undergo. That's such a gift. So I lived in gratitude like 24 seven because we're confronted with the contrast. And yet at the same time, we're living our specific lives. So I'm a social scientist. 
I mean, that's bottom line what I am. And I watch human behavior in all of its, in all of its colors. And I'm fascinated by that. So I spent a lot of time being fascinated by the myriad of reactions and behaviors and ways of being and ways of coping or ways of undergoing that, I don't know, that's my lens. You know, I mean, and I have more than one lens for sure. So just a little side question. Have you noticed uh, an increase in the number of uh, consultations that you do with your clients. Has that uh, dramatically gone up or has it be, you know, because of uh, COVID? Well, I'll tell you what happened. I mean, my private practice is, is what it is. And for the most part, it's people who are managing relatively well. What I did do is open my doors to the friends of my clients who weren't doing so well and might not have become a client in private practice. So I have been spending time, if you want to say pro bono, but I don't even think about it that way. I just feel like I've been spending time in connection with people I've never met, with people I don't know. And again, it's no different for me. People are people and I love I love people. So I've been giving, I guess, giving back or, or going through um, a, a time where I can help more freely because I'm safe, I'm okay, and my heart is motivated to do so. So it fills up my time, <laughs> but I rest as well. I take a nap in the afternoon, not a nap, but I give myself 20 minutes of rest. I'm listening to an audio book or I'm using an app to calm down, or I just meditate. But my husband, who does it regularly, it gives me time to be next to him when neither of us are moving around. You mean when he naps? Yeah, he naps regularly. Yes. I mean, yeah. it, it used to be a weekend thing, but now it can happen multiple times during the week. So that's another, that, that's kind of a new habit. Yes, yes. Well, on my uh, part, I, um, Aside from feeling, you know, so very sad for the people who have gotten sick because of COVID, the people who have died and our frontline responders, um, aside from that emotion that is attached to that, this has been a time of discovery for me. Um, as Wendy alluded to a moment um, ago, as far as nature and its power to fuel us, um, it's been a healing element for me. And I try to be aware and to focus on what's happening, you know, with things like taking big hikes or sitting in my courtyard and watching a hummingbird suck the juice out of 15 little flower buds. And you don't get tired of watching that. You're so amazed by how this little bird can just helicopter in and out. Um, so those kind of things. But what has I been intrigued by and really pleased about is the change in pure atmosphere. You know, I've seen photos of New Delhi, of LA, and Wendy, you would identify with this as well, that now people there can see the blue sky before it was always full of 
uh, pollution and clouds and so forth, but there are big cities who have really noticed a remarkable change. So how can we maintain that? That's a challenge. That's a challenge. <laughs> and, you know, the noticing in general, I think just noticing in general that we slow down, you know, we downshift enough to be able to notice. Like I take my vitamins now after I eat in the morning. I don't forget them. I don't, they're with me, they're in my pantry. I take them. You know, I notice that I have a little bit more time not to rush. And right. that for me is a big blessing. Yeah, Wendy, you. Well, you know, when BB, you're talking about time and noticing and going inward and being in nature. I've been uh, doing a practice every day of going outside. I'm so lucky. I live in Ojai, which is about an hour and a half from LA. In my home, I'm just very blessed. It feels like the Garden of Eden. I think mm -hmm. you said that, Andrea. There are flowers everywhere. And I go outside and I meditate. And one of the things that I do is I pray for magic and miracles for myself, for those I love, and for the world. And one day last week, I had said that prayer and I kind of forgot about it and the day just went on. And I was talking to a friend on the phone and I went to sit down on this little white couch across from my kitchen. And when I went to sit down, I, I couldn't believe it. I saw something black on my white couch and I went to look at it and it was a dragonfly. Yeah. And I've never seen one like this. It was completely clear, intricate, magnificent wings with a black body and a little bit of black trim. And she seemed to have given her life to come to me in the most unlikely setting. And I felt like it was a mess that asked for magic and miracles. I received one. I mean, no windows were open. I don't know where this came from. I think it was beamed up from another dimension. <laughs> but I felt like it was a symbol of, in, even in this unfathomable muck that the world is going through, there are miracles. There, are mag there is magic if we take the time, like we're talking about, to notice. And, and here's the thing about that. I, I think that I'm going to crown you the queen of the magical mindset. Yes. Oh, yes. That's the lens. I love that title. Thank you. Okay, but take it. Magical mindset. Right. Magical mindset in the Garden of Eden, or whatever <laughs> garden you want to call it, in Dragonfly Garden. I told you once I have a very good friend who named her place Dragonfly Cove. I definitely have to introduce the two of yes. you. <laughs> he had a boat called a dragonfly. It was a... Um, I think what they call it, like a double, like a, I want to say cormoran, but catamaran, you know, kind of boat with two uh, decks, and she sold them, and it was called the dragonfly. I'll, I'll, I'll introduce you. Connect, yes. Yeah. Um, connection always has to happen anyway, right? But the magical mindset is a mindset nonetheless, as opposed to the doom and gloom mindset where you scan the media or you turn something on and all you hear is the breaking bad. Yes. So 
Look at how helpful mindsets can be. You know, absolutely, I've and uh, they help us to um, live in a new environment, a fresh environment, and it gives us more of a feeling of um, belonging, of a, a lead that we can take in the process, in the discovery process, in the doing process, in the overcoming, right? Because yes. this is, we're now beginning the overcoming. We're on the verge of that. And you and I talked a little bit about it, and that is, there is this one magical, thank you, Wendy, there's this one magical way to move from the abyss that we found ourselves in into, into coming out of it and climbing out of it, and that is through the creativity that we do, through the creativity that we have, through the creativity that we allow, that we read about, that we learn about. So let's talk about the abyss for a minute. Right. Here's a right. of the abyss. I redid this for COVID, by the way. Oh, oh, excellent. So my new one has things, but this is the shape of the curve. Wendy knows this, right? Wendy? Yes. Yeah, so we're looking at the flow of change map that Dr. Andrea created and has been using for a number, many, many years with her patients, with and doing presentations. And so just talk a little bit about the curve, the bell, the inverted bell curve. And we'll, we'll put it also on the website yes. and maybe on Facebook page. Um, basically, you know, the curve goes like, like a U, like a right. U. So when you're connecting to something that went before, we pick it up at the point where something ends. So we call it life as we knew it, let's just say, has ended. And then there's chaos and an inevitable slide down to a hard to get out, but bowl-like shape. Because as you go to climb out, you're like sliding back in. It's easy to get into it, but it's harder to get out of it. And that's where Vivi's idea about talking about the overcoming, but the elements that go into overcoming are very, um, they're very identifiable. For instance, if we get in touch with our mortality, you know, just think about people who have near-death experiences, just like, B.B. was talking about the Roaring Twenties. After you have been in isolation, lockdown, sick, mourning, grief, all those things, there is a refreshment of spirit, of, of soul. I mean, it's, it's, it's a physical thing. It really happens. And so coming out of it, B.B. used the word being in discovery. Um, using the word exploring, attitude of willingness, experimenting, having a learning mindset, right? And, but under learning mindset, there's all, I mean, I would just expand that to be all the mindsets. I'm much in favor of the wonder mindset. Mm -hmm. Rather than I know, I wonder. Or, um, you know, the magical mindset which is a very spiritual mindset, which is a non-linear mindset. It doesn't require previous anything. You know, it, 
it, other than creativity and imagination, but it doesn't require that things happen in any order, right? And then there's courage. And how about this? The ability to see opportunity. And that's so important for people in business, right? I mean, we are going to have some major shifts, major different ways of how business is going to be done. So that imagination and that courage, the ability to take some risk and to experiment, as you just said, are going to be key elements in rebuilding small businesses and large businesses and ourselves. Right. So true, BB. And, you know, the new habits that we develop, hopefully those of us who've been fortunate enough to be able to have, you know, some break in the action where we can look at ourselves and say, what's missing from this picture? For me, it was, I'm always rushing. I'm always trying to cram more things into a day than, you know, than really I need to do. I just have a lot of ideas and there's a lot of desire. Well, that had to end. You know, my wings are a little clipped, but you know what? I was happy. I was seeing lots of good stuff on the ground mm. instead of flying around. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think there's this balance. I find that when I do, I mean, we have to stay abreast to what's going on out there. So there's a balance of, finding out the facts, learning what's going on, and it's, it's devastating the news in the world, and then allowing ourselves a period of time to feel grief and to feel uh, insecurity and instability. And to, I mean, there were days where I just laid on my grass and cried, you know, and allowed myself to really bring up all those feelings that were precipitated not just by the pandemic, but by the personal things I talked about and just this general feeling of loss of control. And then I found that when, I, you know, I had had plans to clean out closets, to organize this, and I've ended up doing very little of that, but I feel like I've been going into these dark closets inside of myself. And I really do believe that by allowing ourselves that freedom we find the light and we find our, our next things start to emerge in the abyss. And it's really a dance between um, allowing ourselves to feel and then opening, you know, to the creativity that you mentioned. Before. Isn't it nice to know that that is a process? Yes. That yeah. is allowed, allowable, and even advised. I mean, this is a tenet of psychotherapy, um, but it's- And spirituality, I may add, yeah. right? Because when we, uh, we can't uh, pull on it, we can't push it, when the thought or the inspiration or the, set or the feeling occurs, just to uh, recognize it, to be aware that it's happening and to say, yes, I am feeling uncertainty or I'm feeling uncertain. Um, I'm feeling confusion. confusion. Uh, by naming the feeling and the idea that you are experiencing, right? It just, uh, it kind of puts a little box up around it and helps us to move to the next step level. It's like the word surrendering. Yes, yes. 
similar to the word, I mean, similar to the ultimate outcome of acceptance. It's a stage in the process. It's uncomfortable perhaps to start and, and a lot of us get angry. We don't want to accept it and all that. But ultimately, like with a diagnosis, there comes a time where there's acceptance and the physics of it or the metaphysics of it is once we touch down in that place of acceptance, we are able to expand our perspective and maybe have access to more of our inner resources or what commonly called resiliency. You know, we look at these children with cancer, for instance, just as a good example, you know, they're six years old, they know they're gonna die. Like, what is that? Where they're so willing to, to come to terms with it. Who knows what's going on inside their brain, but they don't have the expectation that they're going to live forever like the right. dragonfly and that's why and that's why you said coming to terms with our mortality right if for if we can understand that um and not fear it uh then the ensuing time the time that passes between then and now is going to be so much more fruitful and more enjoyable and more fulfilling yeah it definitely can be you know, the craziest thing just happened. I'm a big believer in synchronicity. So I'm listening to the two of you and Dr. Andrea, you just said something about resilience. Yeah. I just saw an email come through. I'm looking at the screen and it says resilience. That was the subject. And it's just, it's so funny. It's such a, um, an example of how our inner world and our thoughts are reflected in the outer world. I mean, you know, I just more and more in this more quiet time, in this inner time, see what magnets we are for our thoughts keep attracting our situations. And um, I, think, I think the message is resilience. And that comes from this allowing ourselves to sink in and to um, grapple and release and open to new possibilities. And that's, the, un, that's the, the interface of overcoming, yes. undergoing. But I think it's helpful that, that we, like Bibi was saying before, that we put language on it because language validates a person. Sometimes when people are having dark feelings, as we all know, we think we're, we're the only one. We, we feel like the Lone Ranger, if anybody remembers who that is. But <laughs> some of these things stick in our, in our uh, lexicon. If right. you, but, you know, the point is that once we normalize it a little bit, and then it makes it easier for us to accept it. Because if I'm the only one, then I'm full of shame about it. Yeah. But if I'm not the only one, and, and many of us are having to deal with that crunch of surrender or to say, okay, so I only go shopping at 6 a.m. on Monday morning and I wear my mask and that's my life. Okay, right? We all had to come to that. Well, like, this is a little side note, um, but we'll get to talk about the masks. I'm just, um, I guess, discouraged and aggravated that um, 
wearing or not wearing a mask has now become a political uh, statement. I, I cannot, I cannot uh, fathom how we have come to the point of where that is happening, how there is no, I do not feel like we're pulling together as a country. And I miss that so much. I want to be a cheerleader kind of a person, but not to only half the population. I want to, you know, do it to everybody. Yeah. It's so aggravating to me. Just a little <laughs> side note, right? And when, and when you understand human behavior at this granular level that you don't even want to know from, <laughs> you, you understand how that happens and how every reaction has a, a contra reaction. And, you know, it's, I, I believe it's concerning to see the velocity with which that's happening either way. And um, I, I had the good fortune to spend some time with my favorite intern who now has graduated from college and she could do anything. She's a brilliant 21 year old, you know, brilliant, beautiful, you know, smart in every way. And when I asked her what she was majoring in in her final years, because she was my intern when she was a sophomore, she said one day last year, she says, I'm a majoring, she, I knew she was majoring in business, but she said specifically I'm majoring in supply chains. Mm. Supply chains? What are those? I, you know, I mean, I could imagine what it was, but I didn't know you could major in supply chain. <laughs> she went ahead and got a job. She's in demand because she majored in supply chains. And then we all got a chance to learn about supply chains when it came to the paper goods crisis. Paper goods and masks and ventilators and all of that. Right. How amazing that she majored in supply chains. And now it's like the number one thing that is driving the beginning of the business cycle and production and moving factories back into the U.S. and reinventing the supply chain. Well, it's bringing back the intergenerational nature of what's happening now. You know, we were all young. We knew that we needed to change the world. And this generation of college graduates who are getting a rocky start, but with the right guidance, can see how well positioned they are to do their rendition of changing the world. And I'm putting my money on them. I, you know, I believe these are, these are smart people and it's the world they're going to inherit. And they can have it not only their way, but they can bridge the gap. They have what it takes to bridge. Well, and I think you're speaking about innovation and creativity, right? So we were talking about creativity just a little bit, but I'd like our listeners to understand a little bit more of what's involved in the creative process. And so uh, we said that there are stages or steps to creativity. That includes awareness. It's almost a subliminal kind of a notion. There's contemplation, you know, where you can... Think about it during the day, like daydreaming, or at night when you are just dreaming about it. There's conversation, as we are doing now, right? There's preparation, incubation, illumination, evaluation, 
implementation. And at some point it gets your attention and you begin to actively follow that link. So how did I know all those words? Because one of our hosts is a psychologist, okay? This is how I knew these words. Well, I, I really, you know, as you're saying it, I'm seeing the richness in that, which we've reserved for part two of this podcast, where we get to meet with Wendy Knox again, and we zero in on that, uh, on that process, including pre-contemplation. <laughs> we, we forgot pre-contemplation, which is the awareness, but we, like you said, we, it's subliminal. We don't even know that we're entertaining notions. So there's so much to know about our inner universe while this outer chaos is going on. My belief is the more we know about ourselves and the more we can see ourselves reflected in one another, the more uh, fruitful the undergoing will become so that on the other side, with the overcoming the undergoing, we will have such an increased um, awareness, knowledge, and coping skills. Capacity, right? Ah, I love that. Greater word. capacity. I love that word. Capacity yes. for going through. So we know our guest is on a journey, and we want to super thank her for being a muse, the, the magical mindset, the muse that you are. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. We truly appreciate that. Well, I have a couple of questions then to both of you, and I'll answer them as well. So, um, Wendy, when you think of quarantine, you think of what? Um, oddly enough, uh, an inner journey. Um, I really believe, you know, I've noticed more and more that life is not an either or proposition. So it's not black or white, dark or light. It's both muck and magic. And so the more noise, the more chaos, as you say, in the outer world, the more I cherish the inner world. And I'm listening having the opportunity to listen more to my inner guidance and to, I've been doing things that, you know, I've been uh, doing intuitive sessions for people that I call uplifting giftings because I was guided to help other people transform their muck into magic and wasn't something I would have thought of before, but this process, this sort of uh, haven, that I feel in being here with my husband and, and nature and this time has given birth to a new expression. So, and like Dr. Andrea said, I feel gratitude, a lot of gratitude for this time. Um, and yet at the same time, I'm holding the sadness and the fear and the worry of the world. So it's that muck and magic at the same time. And Wendy, did you have to um, adapt or change uh, anything? Are you thinking of implementing some changes and how you move forward from now on? Well, I think one of the things is when <laughs> you see uh, there's something about a pandemic that makes you think like, what am I waiting for? 
So maybe, like I said, my intuitive gifts that I sort of kept under wraps and only shared with a few close friends. I'm now bring. I asked the universe, how can I be of service? And I'm starting, like I said, doing these sessions. And instead of being timid, I'm finding more courage because there's, it's like you said in your diagram, Dr. Andrea, mortality. You look at mortality and you go, what am I hiding for? What am I holding back? You know, so now I'm thinking I'm going to do some kind of online class. I'm not sure what that's like. I'm going to do a, I'm investing in myself at a crazy time financially. The inner critic is saying, what are you doing? But my heart is saying I'm meant to share my book with more people. So I'm getting someone to uh, videotape me in my garden and I'm going to read my book to the camera as if mm. I'm a story to a young child and it's for you and your inner child. And it's my gift from my heart to yours. That isn't something I would have thought of. And I wouldn't think this is a very good time to be spending money. But I tried having my husband videotape it and it just didn't feel like I want to present my book and myself. I want it to be more magical and creative. Yes. And so I think that's what I'm doing is taking some more risks and putting my heart and my soul out there more. I started painting again. I've never done an online painting class, but it kind of woke up how much I love painting and connecting to spirit through my art. So those well, you did a masterful job of creating the art that is so present throughout your book, through every page of From Muck to Magic, right? So, but I've, I've been kind of blocked, you know, in um, talking about my book and writing and I, I got, kind of got out of the flow of painting. So this time, has given me the space. Like the other day I walked outside and I asked how, I asked my garden to come through my art. And I did a painting that was so unexpected and it was not through my head, but through my heart. You know, <sighs> I think this period has opened up those kind of doorways. That is so yummy. Well, Phoebe, what does quarantine, or what did quarantine mean to you? Slowness of the day. Uh, I, I physically um, lived through the timing, the timing process. It just, I wasn't bored. Um, I did see a lot of the time where it was just cooking and eating and cleaning up and reading that was like, and I was thinking, how can just those few things fill the whole day? And sometimes it filled the whole day. Yeah. So, how satisfying and I think that one of the things that I've seen with many people is that the sense of time and timing has been adjusted in, in some you know in our experience either for some people the day drags on and we see cartoons of people you know just don't throwing themselves around from couch to to TV to chair and or they are allowing themselves to stretch out in the luxury of the time that is theirs to take for themselves. Yes. Time that is there to take for ourselves. I so love that idea. And Wendy mentioned, uh, or when she was talking about 
what she had gotten through this, through the quarantine and all of that, the two words that really stuck in my mind were courage and risk. Um, so Andrea, what about yourself? What words would define your period of quarantine? Well, first of all, I, re, um, I renamed it for myself, sequestered. <laughs> I, did, I rejected the quarantine thing. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was similar, <clears throat> excuse me, what, to what Wendy was saying about having the sacred, quote unquote, it wasn't entirely solitude, but because I know each of us has the grace of having relationships that are good, you can be with another human being and still have your solitude. I think that's ideal. And it's very so, important. To me personally, that's so critical to have that. It could be that the three of us have that. You know, if you did, if you scooped a, a cup of pond water, you might not find that everything came out that way, but that's the role of the dice this time in our conversation. So I think for me being sequestered was like you both said, you know, slowed enough down and also I, the courage got tickled, the courage got activated a little bit. And I felt that I could make some differences in the way that I was working with media and that that would be fun. And that's my, that's kind of like my paintbrush in my head these days of how that might look. And also the expansion of talking to children. I just, I miss talking to children, you know, little children. As a matter of fact, this Saturday morning, here's an ad for NPR, um, CNN, I think, and NPR are doing a Sesame Street version of, of those toddlers and preschoolers, those who watch Sesame Street, I can't wait to hear it. Relative to COVID-19 COVID and what their thoughts are and how they're feeling, it's very smart. It's very oh, smart, so very helpful. Smart. I love it so much. So I think that, you know, I get very intergenerational and I mean it, I get really excited about that. So that's something that I've been into, plus cooking. Or and cooking. Eating what my husband cooks. He gets up and he just like plans the menu, does the shopping and wow. makes whatever I want. And if I don't want anything, that's okay too. So words that sort of stand out for me, there are three and it's, I, I'm hearing this word a lot, which is pivot, right? You pivot, you kind of spin, you turn your thinking, you pivot, you adjust in a different way. You make an adjustment, right? Uh, creativity, which we talked about, and then connection. I am so um, uh, empowered by that word and the fact that when we started Boom Goddess Radio, like four and a half years ago, the number one um, deliverable that we wanted to bring to our listeners was the idea of connection, that they were connected to us, we to them, that they're connected to other people, to their life. So connection being, and it was the number one and still is a resource for well-being and longevity. And now that we're underlining the importance of that, it's even more powerful. So I'm like, 
patting ourselves on the shoulder for choosing connection as being the pillar that will hold us up to the world. Well, Bibi, I want to say that, you know, I interrupted the discussion of creativity because I was thinking that we had to land somewhere because a dragonfly, our dragonfly muse was going to be taking off any minute. I would like to suggest that we definitely go back and do another whole conversation on connection and maybe in the same conversation, the creativity, but there's so much richness in every concept, every, every offering that's been identified in this conversation. So we're hoping that our, we're trusting that our listeners will be similarly activated by this. And we certainly encourage our listening audience to write to us, find us at Boom Goddess on Facebook. BoomGoddess.com is our website if you want to read a little background. We have Wendy Knox and her beautiful website and soon to be attached film on the website where she's reading her story. And that website is... Oh, thank you. Oh, you're so good. Wendy, W-E-N-D-I. I had to be different. My mother named me with a Y, but I'm Wendy, W-E-N-D-I, Knox, K-N-O-X, dot com. Right. It's Wendy with an I for imagination. Ah, so, right. Thank you. Inspiration. And inspiration. Well, we can go on, right? <laughs> We love language. So have a wonderful journey, our Dragonfly Muse friend. And Bibi, a really great big thank you for helping to structure and fertilize <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone. And it was great getting together. And uh, we'll be back to you soon. Take care. For more information, visit our website, BoomGoddessRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs.